we're not likely to get much wrong, but if we do, feel free to correct us. <laughs> I'll ignore what I don't agree with. There, I said it. <laughs> right. On today's episode, I'm again joined by Mr. Chase Musil to discuss Apple's place in gaming and Crazy Uncle Gene's predictions on Apple's future endeavors. I'm Ian Fuchs, and this is episode 29 of Magnificent. Hello, Mr. Musil. How are you today? I'm real good. I'm real good, Ian. Thank you. uh, I'm having a good day in in the middle of Iowa with fantastic spring mushy weather. Spring mushy weather. We have... We have spring, windy Chicago weather, so it sounds better. Yeah, it's mushy. Also, it's just <laughs> it's just windy and mushy. So now the mush is coming up off the ground and hitting you in the legs, ruining all of your jeans. That that's disgusting if it's moist. <laughs> it's uh, no, it's actually pretty dry other than the ground. Okay, all right. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Last time you were here, we discussed all kinds of fun things and talked about Back to the Future. It's future day. Man, it, was, it feels like yesterday. Right? Well, it could have been. Who knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe we went back in time. Maybe, maybe this is right after that episode. Am I stuck in my – I'm stuck in my infinite primer loop. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> um, we had talked a little bit about your workflow the last time you were on. Not so much workflow. The devices you use the last time you were sure. on. And sure. one of the things you talked about was using the Surface Pro, Surface 3. Yeah, it's the Surface 3. Yep. Okay. It's the, yeah, with the Atom processor. Yeah. Okay. So since then, Apple's iPad Pro has been released. Yep. And there's a lot of, do you, uh, a lot of discussion about um, can the iPad replace a computer? Why people yeah. feel the need to only have to have one of these and why they, you can't have both and use both both for different things. I'm not sure, but everybody's like, I want to do everything on an iPad or everything on a computer. Which one is right for me? And I know for you, you were using the surface as a computer Mm -hmm. partially because the surface is kind of designed that way. Yeah. What is it to you about the surface that makes it a computer that the iPad maybe is missing? Yeah. So this is, so I've, recently thought about this with some friends um both of them in fair in fairness um both of them are apple enthusiasts and one of them is very apple enthusiast the other one is fair he's an apple enthusiast but he's pretty moderate i feel like i'm sort of a windows i don't know that i'm a windows enthusiast i'm a microsoft enthusiast you know but you know biasly but i'm also pretty open-minded because i've run like i ran linux for a semester i've used a macbook for a semester and an ipad for a year like I've, my wife hasn't has a iPhone and um, you know I like iOS and a lot of things that has to offer but specifically to what's the difference between you know a surface solution any of the surfaces really right uh, a surface solution versus the iPad Pro and for me uh, it comes down to the the nature the difference in nature between Windows because all surfaces run full Windows so you have the advantage being that you have every Windows application that runs on Windows 10 runs on a surface assuming you're on Windows 10. Right. I guess we're Windows 8 as well, but we'll just go with 10 for now because 8's discontinued support and they're moving on. They're forcing people to move on. Um, but so that's the big that's the big advantage, right? Because then you have you just have Windows running, so you have all the advantages of running Windows. But if you want to run mobile stuff, then you can you can literally flip your your Surface into tablet mode or touch mode, and it will do it automatically if you disconnect the keyboard or you can manually engage it, right? Um, and then it goes into tablet mode, which feels a lot like Windows 8. 
which is essentially the metro, you know, that tiled version of any mobile, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mobile ecosystem. And so I think that works pretty well. The huge downfall, obviously, is that the Windows App Store, like, and when I say app, I mean mobile apps. So you go tablet mode on a Surface. The App Store is not nearly as, not even close to being as good as the App Store on iOS or Android, right? So um, you're missing out on a ton of, you know, nuanced little things. You have a lot of the major apps, but it's missing out on a bunch of the stuff that makes iOS and Google Play so great. So that's one, that's one side. The Surface is good because it runs Windows and you have all the advantages of Windows. And then on the flip side with the iPad, the iPad Pro has an amazing ecosystem to draw from, right? iOS is fantastic. And you put a keyboard on an iPad Pro and now you can do tons of stuff. But from people who have been using the iPad Pro, because I have not used the iPad Pro, but from people who've been using it, one opinion on it and why it's not a good replace-all is because and it first depends on your workflow, right? Like what you need to get out of your devices. But if you're using an iPad Pro and you need to, let's say that you and I are corresponding and we're collaborating on writing a paper or a novel or whatever, we're doing some type of, you know, we're contributing together to same, some piece, piece of work and we need to work on it and share. If we're not using Google Docs or Office Online or some simultaneous editor, right? Mm-hmm. Say you want to use Word because we're doing asynchronous revisions. So I'm making comments and reviews and sending it to you or something. Sure. That means when I'm done with it on the iPad, I need to, and it saves because it's. We, we'll assume that you have it hooked up to iCloud, right, or whatever, or I think OneDrive if you're using Word on, which yep. is a great, you know, the the Office apps work well. You know, people like those on iOS. For sure. Um, I want to send it to you, so I, I either send you the link to it, or I we are both shared in the same Dropbox folder, which would be seamless. But it turns out a lot of people don't have all their ducks in a row, and they don't have all the same cloud services linked up together nicely. So if I want to save it and send it to you, it's like, okay, it's auto-saved. Now I'm going to go to share, email. Okay, I pick you. I send it to you. Now you have it in your email. So now you have a local copy, right? So now you have to download it or whatever. And apparently, and this is just like the heart of the problem with iOS from how it's been described to me because like, you know, this is anecdotal, but it's a binning problem. You get siloed in particular tools and so there's not – because there's not a nice way to file man- – like to manage your files like there is on OS X. Sure. Because OS X does it, right? Like why not just run a MacBook? Right. But if you want to use an iPad Pro, if you are, if that's not an issue of yours and you just end up using all web-based tools, then I think you, it could be your You lose solution. that file system interaction yeah. and that's – if you're used to file system, then you don't have it on iOS. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that seems to be the big problem with the iPad Pro. I mean, it seems that it sidelows you a lot. And that's not the iPad Pro's fault. I would say that's iOS, Android, you know, whatever, all the mobile app, these mobile right. ecosystems, they're very siloish. You, you stop. It's teaching us to think not in folders, under folders, under folders, which is really all just bits and bytes on, yeah. on hard drives. But instead, it's just like, this is a service. This is in this service. This is in this service. Mm-hmm. And because we're still ingrained in this file system mentality from years of computer use and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I think to me, that seems to be the problem with the iPad pro. If, if it's a problem, maybe it's not a problem for somebody and it's a good solution. Like I would, I think I could put a a keyboard, a keyboard on any tablet and like, you know, my mom would be just fine. She doesn't use any software that she needs windows or OS X for. So anyway, it depends on what your use case is, but I think that the iPad pro can be a great, it can be a great tool. I don't think it's a one-stop shop, especially for people like us, right? Like if you're using any type of productivity software that's specific to an operating system, then you definitely have to use that operating system. Sure. Yeah, I know, I know that's for me, that's the big thing is like I use, uh, at work I use stuff that depends on, um, oh, what is it? Silverlight, 
Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The web plugin. Yeah. I have set the dependence overlight. Sure. But that automatically rules out using an iPad. Oh, right. Because there's no yep. way to install plugins into a browser. I don't know of any gotcha. app that has any browser app that has Silverlight built in. You would need, yeah, you would need like Microsoft to release Edge with Silverlight support on iOS right. or something. As an app yeah. that you download and has it yes. built in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and if, that, if that happened, I could almost shift everything I do. Mm. But that alone, one little thing pretty much prevents me from ever making that switch over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this is. Um, it's a it's a big problem depending on what your what your use is now. Now the conversation that I had with one of my my other Apple friend who is very Apple enthusiast, um, and a great he's you know also a you know I don't I hate the word call it whatever colleague you know someone that does you know, research sure. here with us right he uh, he uses an iPad for his note taking when he's in meetings because he goes out in the field and he's talking mm-hmm. to clients and he's you know sketching I assume he's like sketching up mockups and stuff because we do he does a lot of like UX research and design and. Um, he has his MacBook that he uses for everything else. Like he codes on that, right? And he does all of his actual nice work on there. So he has a, a clear use case for both. Right. Um, I was making the argument that there's a subset of the population that you mentioned that just wants the one device, and we don't know why. Like I'm not, I'm not sure why you have to have just one. Um, but let's say that you just need one, or maybe you can only carry one, or you know whatever your case is. Then sure. in theory, in theory, the Surface Book becomes a really nice solution. And I said in theory, I said in theory, I'm not, I'm not forcing this on anybody, but like he described to me his needs of being able to take notes on a tablet and then transfer to his iPad or to his um, computer. computer and finish up and do other work on it. Right. Well, in theory, if you describe your use case, that sounds like a surface book would be perfect because you detach, do the stylus because the Microsoft pen works great. The Apple pen works great or pencil. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's all really good. Both of them have really nice um, written text to plain text conversion. So that works or whatever. Mm-hmm. OCR. Um, is that what, they is that what that's called? I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think okay. it's OCR where it, it, it converts your handwriting your into Yeah, into and that only works natively on each one because those are system files. So that's interesting, right? Like you go on OneNote on iOS, you can't do it on iOS because that system is within the Windows system files. Same thing for Apple. The, that's in OS. It's in the iOS system files. It's not in the service in the app itself. Anyway, um, so anyway, he has got these clear two use cases. And I said, well, in theory, it sounds like you'd be a Surface Book fan. And he's like, oh no, I'm not a Surface Book fan. And um, I think if you were to stop to think about it, and you made the iPad Pro, if you just had the iPad Pro run OS X, like that's what he's looking for. I mean, in theory. Anyway, so um, I think that it just depends on the person. If you're okay with multiple devices. Multiple devices is a great solution. If you yeah. can only have one thing, then there, there's some things out there that'll do it with compromise and without. So, well, again, I think a lot of it really comes down to the use case. Mm-hmm. And then I've said yeah. that over and over again. Is everybody's like, well, how, how can I only carry one device? I, like, I, I look at my mom and what she does most of the time. Mm-hmm. She's reading email. She's doing research. She's mm-hmm. um, looking at notes or writing notes. You know, mm-hmm. f- uh, preparing her lesson plans for her nursing classes she's teaching, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Most of that doesn't require any specialized software. Right. So she could do all of it on an iPad. And she actually mm-hmm. just got the iPad Pro for Christmas. So nice. she is doing a lot of it on her iPad. But she mm-hmm. still goes to her Mac for a lot of things. I think out of force to have it. It's like, well, you could actually eliminate it and go down to just one thing. But then, like... Like we talked about for me with Silverlight or for even recording the podcast, I have no way to record my audio into yeah. my iPad and record a safety of the Skype call into the iPad at the same time. 
Right. Actually, don't even. Ha- I don't even think I can record my audio and use my microphone with Skype at the same time because there's no audio routing in in iOS. Which right. that's a feature that I think the iPad Pro could be really well suited for. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things like that automatically just pushes me back to using my Mac for stuff, which yeah, I'm okay with. I like using my Mac. I use it every day. So. <laughs> yeah, that's not the end of the world. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it it's depends, a, on, depends on the person. Right, it absolutely does. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I will say um, that there's an interesting compromise happening right now in the world, and this moves beyond. Like, so we can go deeper. Like, there's another discussion that I would like we, you and I could have. Like, a uh, Surface, there's the app version of Skype, and then the desktop version of Skype, and Surfaces can run either because it runs the apps and the desktop versions, mm-hmm. and that's confusing to have two pieces of software that are different on the same device. But unless you know how to do it, then it doesn't. It could be confusing, but right? It, it's so, the same idea as the Surface itself can run desktop exactly Windows right. versus this like tablet OS, yeah, like sub OS yeah. kind of yeah, thing. Exactly, exactly, right? Um, so it's an interesting compromise. Versus if you're on like you're on iOS, then you just lose the ability to do some of the OS X things, the you know mm-hmm. the OS the bigger OS things. Um, but I think that the better, not better, but I think the larger conversation then is at what point will I have my phone and is my phone my only device? And what does that mean when I get rid of my, potentially get rid of a, if you have a tablet or, you know, small tablet, big tablet, um, you know, to your laptop, to your desktop, if you still have a desktop computer, right? Like, because I have my desktop and that's, I'm like, how am I, I have these very specific uses, but I could just get away with just a laptop, but wait, I could just use a Surface or how about I use, you know, an iPad and a MacBook and that would whatever, right? Like whatever your thing is. I want to know when I have my phone. Like when does the day come that I have my phone and that's it? Because we're, we're, we're approaching there. It's going to be a hardware inevitability, right? Hardware will just keep getting better. Right. So what does that mean for us as people, as users, to have an ecosystem in which we are, you know, using just a singular device? And I think it will eventually lead to like a terminal mainframe system. We're going to get back to terminal mainframe where your phone is this really nice terminal, and a lot of the computing power is going to be offloaded to the server. So if you're playing a video game on your phone, it's pretty crappy because it doesn't have any of the processing power of your you know, PlayStation or Xbox, right? Sure. But if your Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, Nintendo is running in the cloud and all the processing is happening there, the infrastructure is strong enough to support the bandwidth to stream that video. Like this is like what OnLive aspired to be years ago. There's OnLive gaming service. Mm-hmm. Or like now Steam is doing it with in-home gaming, uh, your in-home streaming. Yep. Once the infrastructure is there, we don't need a good computer. Then you just need a really good mirror, right? And so then you can right. walk up and have a terminal anywhere. So I think that's where it's leaded, or that's where it's leading us. Excuse me. Yeah. So anyway, it's an interesting thing to think about because there's a lot of devices, and I don't want a lot of devices. Right. I, and I, I can see that. I already see that now with how I do stuff at home, you know, around the house, stuff like that. Like there are times, um, and we'll talk about my new Apple TV in a mm-hmm. minute but like there are times where i'm like i'm just gonna put this up on the apple tv because i want to look at a bigger screen yeah. than the tablet but i can have it sit in my lap and yep and and do my work on the ipad but it's up on the screen so the ipad becomes like you said that's the the mainframe in this situation and the terminal is the tv that's just showing me the information right so if that ipad gets more powerful or something behind the ipad Right is more powerful than yeah, more like your there. iCloud account is doing it right, and then you just you log in, yeah. 
Well, I can I can give a good example of where it's happening now, where they're trying it. So Steam and home streaming is a good one, right? But um, like there's a there's a free game franchise on Xbox called Crackdown, and um, Microsoft is having the physics computation offloaded to Azure, which is their cloud service. Mm-hmm. That's their cloud operation service, and you you know so it's a competitor to AWS, Amazon Web Services, and um, you the physics is offloaded to Azure, and then it's sending back the result visually to the game on the Xbox. So like when, in how it's happening is built and if anybody knows this, I'm wrong, feel free to hop in, but as buildings are destroyed in crackdown, your Xbox would not be doing all the computation for the physics. That's all offloaded. You're seeing the end result of that, of that building being, you know, collapsed. So you're, you're streaming the visual of it, but the, yeah. all the building of the visuals is done, done off somewhere else. Yeah. All the math is happening on a server far away. And it's an I, interesting hybrid. I, I found the thing I was I was thinking of. It's it's okay. actually a, a smartphone that's and it's it's not that it's doing the computation off somewhere else or not, um, but it's just that you're now relying on cloud services to do things. And it's the next bit, Robin, which is this Android phone that just came out. Oh, um, and it is uh, basically you have like a 32 gig phone and then 100 gigs of cloud storage. So everything that happens on the phone is backed up to the cloud, and when the phone oh, yeah. needs space for stuff, it's loading it in and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it's like that's only one short step away from the actual processing of the phone happening in the cloud. Yeah, and I, I think the big the big holdup with that is now you need the constant network access and bandwidth yep. of yep. the network to then support those on the fly computations and I mean the Chromebooks and stuff like that are basically doing that too. You're, you're actually interfacing with stuff on the cloud. Nothing actually lives or very little actually lives on the device other than basically an internet connection, a web browser and all the, the processing and thinking is happening off in the cloud. That's exactly it. It's, I I think it's inevitability when the infrastructure gets there, right? Everyone's going to have LTE eventually and that will be the that'll be the case or whatever the whatever the technology Say is even faster than lte even yeah probably whatever the next xlte or whatever they're calling it the next generation yeah. of of speeds i hate the acronyms that people just keep making like hd to qhd to uhd give me a break at least at least retina is a name it's like all the like i like retina a hell of a lot better than i like qhd or uhd or whatever the specs are actually on it so i got an apple tv i haven't got to talk about it on here yet it's oh, totally excited. totally a topic change. No. Um, so well, I can the, segue it. No, can I segue it? If you if you have a segue. Yeah, so So if you're using your surface as an all in one productivity device, you would be inclined to believe that you could use the Apple TV to better and further your progress as an all-in-one Surface solution. Okay, so, and why I even say that is because our lab is so Apple-heavy. Everybody's got MacBooks and iPads, and that's awesome because we have Apple TVs everywhere. But that means I'm normally stuck, like, finding a converter for a VGA plug-in <laughs> if I want to present. And so I'm like, you can Where? plug your Surface into the TV. And you're yeah, like, exactly. Luckily, now our, our rooms have, uh, um, we've got HDMI, so that works fine. But... I have a thing called AirParrot that works pretty well. It's like a little tiny bit laggy, but AirParrot allows me to stream to using AirPlay to the mm-hmm. Apple TV. And that from is from the awesome. Surface? From the Surface. I didn't know Windows they had device. it that way. Yep. I didn't know they had it that way. It makes Apple like it makes me think I want an Apple TV. If AirParrot cleans it up so the stream is perfect, boom. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm on board. So I'm excited to hear about your Apple TV experience. Well, <laughs> just before we get to that, there's an app that I actually have used 
um, on my Mac called Reflector. It's the same people. By the same people, but it lets you mirror your iPhone or iPad to your Mac. Yep. Which is super fun. Yeah. Um, so anyway, got the new Apple TV. Yeah. And uh, I, I held off on it for a long time because I was kind of waiting to see what would shake down with all these TV packages. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's a big thing. Is like if I'm going to hook something to the TV, it needs to do something other than Netflix. Because I have more devices in this house <laughs> that play Netflix than I have people in this house to watch Netflix on them. <laughs> and dogs. Yeah, and people and dogs together. I have I have I have more devices that play Netflix than I have things that could be watching Netflix <laughs> at any point in time. And so I was like, this I, I need something that's more than just a Netflix player. And I hadn't heard about any really cool apps or anything like that. So I kind of held off on doing it. Well, finally, um, my wife was pestering me enough, and she was like, we need to get the new <laughs> Apple TV. The The old one, she was starting to realize the old one was out of date, and there were things that it couldn't do anymore or things that weren't working on it because it's, it was like the second gen. Mm-hmm. So it didn't even have 1080 and all that. Mm. So she's like, we need to replace it. So we went and got one. And... uh I, I basically just went through and I started installing every TV channel app there is mm-hmm. that had any sort of interest to me or any channel that we watched at least. Turns out that I was able to cancel, or not cancel, but reduce my uh, satellite package mm-hmm. down from like a $100 package down to like a $50 package. Still mm-hmm. get all the channels I want and sign into almost all of them on the Apple TV. That's nice. So now I can watch almost anything that I'd want right on the Apple TV mm. just with the uh, the built-in apps. And started doing the math on it. I think I have 16 apps on the TV, 16 different TV channel apps on the Apple TV, which if you do the quick math on $50 for a plan, talking $3.12 per channel, per nice. essentially per month. Sure. Which you're... I think when I had initially talked about this idea was that TV channels could charge about two ninety nine a month as yeah. a subscription. So I, I, I'm right on par with that. And if I find yeah. one more, now I'm below that. Right. And so I'm starting to wonder if this is how Apple's going to pitch their TV thing, is if they're going to come up with somebody who's going to offer you basically packages for whatever dollar amount you get a whole suite of apple tv apps have you go ahead have you looked at sling have you seen sling tv i have and i i signed up for it and then canceled it okay i I didn't know if that was that was something that would satisfy your needs because it sounds it sounds a lot like what you're describing the the things that i don't get with sling are the local channels oh okay um you can't do digital tv for that i could but then i then i have to get a tuner and then it's a separate thing yeah, but that's like a one-time purchase for like fifty bucks or something, right? I, sorry, I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm just it, and, I, and I do understand that, but when you factor what it costs for Sling, I think it's twenty bucks a month. Yeah, for the base. Yeah, for for the base plan, and then I have to have right now. There's no Sling app for the Apple TV. That's right. Which okay, is, which is a letdown. Uh, it it is on the Roku. It is on the Xbox, mm-hmm. which that takes care of two of the three TVs in the house. <laughs> um, All right, Marty. <laughs> Nobody's what? got two television sets. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, 
when I, when I started looking at that, I was like, I could do sling and I signed up for it thinking I was going to do that and then try to cancel some other stuff. But I was like, then I need to get the local channels. And I don't like that. I didn't have like, you lose the on demandness of those local channels. Yeah. Whereas by keeping the, the cable package, I get most shows I can, I can rewatch after they've aired. Yeah, on, the on-demand component, right? Right, on NBC or on, yeah. on whatever. And then there's a handful of channels that you don't get with Sling that I now get with the cable package, like yeah. Comedy Central and um, Food Network. I think that was on there, actually. Sure. Um, I don't remember. There, there were a couple of channels that I was like, I get this, but I don't. Oh, Discovery and, and uh, History Channel, I get both of those, which mm-hmm. aren't part of the, the Sling thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting to start breaking it down and thinking – well, if I can get it down to three dollars a channel, basically, yeah, on the Apple TV, then then I'm set. I just need a couple Apple TVs. Well, yeah, it ultimately breaks down to now I have a cable package, but the Apple TV works as an alternative way to access right those cable package channels. That's um, cool. Yeah, that's cool. I hadn't considered that actually. So there's that, and then there's the uh, the other couple apps I have on there. I have a space app, which is kind of cool, called Space Telescope. Uh, oh which, yeah, I, saw, I read something on it. That's really cool. And it's like they they have like videos from NASA and like little three to five, maybe even ten minute videos about different space things. Uh, this is a huge database of just like free space videos. So they've incorporated them into this app. And then there's also like the super high res pictures from NASA. Mm-hmm. They'll throw those up and they slowly will pan through it, which is kind of like ambient music, which is cool mm-hmm. if you like a lot of times at night if we're we finish watching TV, but we're not ready to be done, but we don't want to start another show. It's like, oh, we're mm. going to go to bed in the next 10 minutes yeah. or shut it off in the next 10 minutes. I don't want to start a show for that. I'll just yeah. throw on one of these NASA videos and watch that quick, which is super cool. That's really kind cool. Of a, a fun way to do that. And yeah. uh, I would put a link for it in the show notes. But one of the drawbacks of the Apple TV is there's really no way to link people to an app. You just have to go to the store and search it, which is a flaw of the Apple TV. <laughs> Oh, that I can't be like, oh, go to iTunes and and purchase Grab it this. and then have it show up in your purchase stuff or whatever. Yeah. I think it's well, two ninety nine. I, I don't understand why that's all just not baked into like you can do it all on your iPhone. Why can't you just do it all on your iPhone? Yeah, that's it, a great it, question. It, I'm sure it'll be added. Like st- obvious stuff like that seems I, like inevitable fixes, right? I think that um, they've already said they're working on a new Apple TV remote app for mm-hmm. the iPhone, so you could actually control the TV with your phone. Yeah. I'm guessing it'll be very similar to the Apple Watch app where there's mm-hmm. a like a separate little like mini sub store inside of this that'll be a yeah. TV store so you can actually go in there and purchase something and it would push it to your TV. Um I know like uh Xbox One Glass, is that what it is? Or, yeah, Smart Glass. Smart Glass. Yep. There you go. Yep. Um you can like purchase games and content from the app and it pushes them to your Xbox yep. as long as it's Oh, you're on the same network, yeah. Yeah. So I actually might not even have to be in the same network. I yeah. Think, I think it's just your account. Yeah. I I can say that the that smart glass works. It works reasonably well. It's it's more or less what you'd expect. Um, I. The problem with it is that it still forces me to get my phone out. But you know, I I think I bitched about this last time. But you know, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, typing on the phone is not ideal. But it's much better than typing with a QWERTY keyboard on screen, which I don't understand how that's still a thing. Like why? Why have we not found a better solution? So. Well, Apple Apple's working on that. They're using the Siri remote, which sure. and I suppose Microsoft does that with Connect, right? You're talking about just for speech. For speech. Well, so you could go. It, there's a speech to text component, isn't there? 
yeah, you can you can like Cortana stuff around and the, with the Xbox or with the newest update. And so can you, can, can you? I, I know you can like search the App Store, but like part of the Xbox experience is messaging, right? Like you can like message yeah. people within the thing or whatever. Can you do yeah. that through voice? You can, yeah. Okay. You can use voice. So, yeah. So I send a lot of like ten second voice snippets. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Apple's doing like the search and the text entry and stuff like that. I'll tell you what, the uh, the old Apple TV where you had a grid A through yeah. Z and you yep. just scrolled up and down and left and right, that wasn't terrible. I don't like it, mm-hmm. but it it's wasn't the same. Sorry, it wasn't a terrible way to enter stuff. Then they switched it on the new Apple TV. You get one long string. So it's A mm-hmm. through Z, just all mm-hmm. left to right. So you're just swiping. So if you had to enter a W as the first character of your password, you got to go all the way to the right. And then if the next character is an A or a mm-hmm. C or a number, you got to yeah. go all the way back the other way. And this is swiping with your thumb on the swiping remote? Swiping with your thumb on the remote because it's touch surface. Okay. Um, yep. And now they've they've improved it. Now you can use the remote app, the old remote app. Mm. And basically smart glass type thing sure. where you can like type sure. on the phone and it pushes it in. Oh, that's um, nice. And then the new update that's coming soon, uh, presumably like March sometime. Sure. Um, they'll actually enable the ability to enter text with the Siri remote. Mm. So I could just press down the Siri button and I could either speak out the letters. Yeah. Or I could just say a word and it would type yep. it in. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I don't know how the if the, how well the voice to text works for smart glass because I don't think I've played with that. If it does or doesn't, I can't speak to that. But I. But it sounds like this is the same thing that I've seen all the demos with uh, the Amazon, like the Amazon Fire remote with the voice control. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing, right? With that yep, terrible Gary Busey commercial. Exactly. So the Siri <laughs> remote and the Amazon Fire remote are the same exact same concepts. Yeah. Implemented okay. by different companies. Sure. Um, I have heard really good things about. Amazon's uh, voice to text or speech yeah. to to text uh, both with Echo or, mm-hmm. is that what it is Echo the yep. little yeah. cylinder thing yep. um, and with the remote that it's it's very good at understanding things whereas mm-hmm. I still run into issues with Siri and either not understanding context not being smart enough to understand what I'm actually trying to say mm-hmm. you know you you say a word that maybe has multiple spellings or two words that sound similar, but are, are like wheel yeah. and she'll type out wheel W H E E L. And I actually yeah. meant W E apostrophe L L. And yeah. I'm like, come on, like use, use your context. So I think, I think that problem, because I've heard this described by some friends who are big machine, le- machine learning enthusiasts. So that's ML for short. So Apple is not an ML company. They're not an engineering company in that way, right? Like they're a product company and they're an interface and they're an experience company. I would sort of categorize them as that. I mean, they're, they're expanding, but they're product first, right? Like they make all their money on the iPhone. And then you look at Google, they're engineering first. They, their products, their hardware, they're not making their money on their hardware, right? Their ad services. Oh, they're giving their hardware away most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Losing exactly. on like, it. Please use it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Microsoft, which is a software company, primarily and they're trying you know they're trying they're successfully at the moment you know spreading out and attempting to do new things i wouldn't say that the hardware component is a major piece of it now xbox notwithstanding but um you know i don't think surface or like their phones or something that would be like a pillar of their business but you know software with windows and office and then their web services are also growing and amazon is a web services company right and then a sales company as well so 
the how and so that my overview of why I say that is because Siri has consistently been behind uh, Google Now and Cortana when it comes to that exact type of scenario. Hi, Cortana. She's listening to me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, and what I mean by that is that exact con- like contextual issue. That's something that like a that an ML person would. I guess would consider as more trivial because when you have decent ML running on the background, it's not just voice to text because that obviously works with Siri, but it's the context that's also grabbing. So that's, right. that's some deeper ML going on behind the scenes that, you know, in their black box that we don't get to see. Anyway, I've heard it reasoned why that's why Cortana and Google now are better at that type of um, voice interaction than Siri. Yeah. Well, it's I, not across I, the board. Yeah. I think one of the things that, that also helps is, and I think specifically like with Amazon with the Echo, mm-hmm. is that my guess is server side when you say a word that could have multiple, somebody in there has built a database to say when this word comes up, it could be mm-hmm. any of these other words around this spoke that are similar words, so mm-hmm. it's going to check all against all of them to say does one of these and maybe it doesn't even understand the context of the sentence. If you're asking for a title or a, uh, like with the Echo, you can ask it to order products. Right. I can't imagine how many products have similar names but are different. And for yeah. it to basically go out and say, well, here's all of the things that could have matched this. Which one is he probably talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Things like that make a difference. Whereas Siri, I feel like it tries to do, here's what you said. Here's the literal interpretation of what you said. And if that doesn't yield a result, instead of like trying an alternative, mm-hmm. it comes back and it's just like, Eh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've I've run into that. There are some cool things about the Siri remote yeah. and about Siri on the phone and stuff like that. But there are some things that absolutely drive me insane. <laughs> no, I, I think overall the new Apple TV sounds like a nice a nice package. Um, I didn't realize that that had such a nice um, complimentary cable service. So that's really good. You know, on just for context. I haven't had cable for years. We've used Netflix and Hulu, and we also have Amazon Video because we've got Prime, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so those three services have covered, you know, all of our needs in recent times. You know, Hulu is where we, because you know, my wife misses like the regular TV, but right, right. Hulu next day coverage is good enough, right? Right. Like she can watch The Bachelor things. on Tuesday. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's all right. We watch The Bachelor on Tuesday because of the DVR. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and. and that's on the Apple TV. That's perfect because you have. Well, right now there's no Amazon. So if you guys watch a lot of stuff on Amazon, there's no Amazon Video app. That is oh, Amazon trying to. Sure, they're bullying a little bit. Yeah, they're bullying. They're trying to push people into using their product. Yeah, yeah. I but then that. they also have their app on the Roku, which isn't their product. So that's but that's a whole other. <laughs> yeah, thing. the the amount of political decisions that are made. Yeah, Who, um, how can we? We can't know these things, <laughs> right? Um, but you can pull up. Amazon on an iPad or on an iPhone and sure. and use AirPlay, which is which is another way to do it. Yeah, that's a good um, solution. But like I said, the the biggest thing is that really to to use the T V features of it outside of those um subscribe within app services, you still have to have a cable service on the other side of it yeah. to sign you into things. And or a friend that has the cable or, service. Or a friend that has the cable <laughs> service. So we, we watch a lot of HBO, but we don't yeah, have an HBO it. account. <laughs> thanks, HBO Go. Yeah. Um, oh, I would pay for it. Like, I would pay for it if it was decent, but HBO Now is not the same as HBO Go. What What have you found to be the difference? Because I've never used HBO Now. And Ooh, that's a good question. 
my understanding was they were supposed to basically be the same thing. It's just that one of them you signed into with your cable provider and the other one you just paid directly to HBO, which to me seems like if it's 15 bucks for me to add HBO onto my dish package or 15 bucks for me to get HBO now, I feel like I should get more with HBO now because you yeah, you're not exactly. having the cable company in the middle taking a piece of that pie. Yeah, who knows what the cut looks like, right? Um Yeah, so I don't I guess I don't have direct experience. I've just when I heard other people talking about using HBO now on their um on their iPhones and Apple you know, and their and their uh, um Apple TV because it's on Apple TV, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um this was when it first came out with uh with Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And so I don't they were just saying that HBO Go because they had both. Was it that HBO Go had a better selection for some things, like movies and whatever? Like it actually had more back catalog, or was it now that maybe had more? That's what I'm. I'm, I'm looking at a thing on the web right now. What's yeah. the difference between the two services? The distinction is not content. Oh, it's not. Okay. Which is ne- essentially identical. Subscribers of each service will have access to HBO's library of films, as well as exclusive series like Game of Thrones and Girls in addition to music, documentary, sports, presentation network. The difference between the streaming services is how you may subscribe. Mm-hmm. So okay. it sounds so, like, and I'll, I'll include a link to this uh, article that I was reading um, in the show notes, just for okay. anybody who wants to see the details of it. But uh, it, it sounds like the really only the difference is just how you're getting it. Okay, so is HBO, if HBO Now is available on, is it, is it available on Android and stuff? I, as far as I know, it's available on damn near everything. everything. And maybe it wasn't on Xbox. Like, anyway, uh, maybe it, it could have been avail- an availability problem. And this was also last Game of Thrones season, and I think it was iOS exclusive for a little bit. So they, they initially they initially they announced it um, at the same time that they did something else. Maybe Apple Music. One of their events. They came out okay. and talked about it, and they were like, "Oh, we have this exclusive partnership." And I think it was like 60 or 90 days where you could only get HBO Now. It, it was the duration of Game of Thrones, the mother... It was <laughs> I, I basically, yeah. It was like, we're, we're going to run a full season of Game of Thrones where you yeah. can only subscribe this way. And and I they they poised, poised it, posed it as a, you can only get it this way because right now we're working on those other apps. Because yeah, because right. it's, a web, it's a web interface buried in an app. It wasn't like it was sure. it was hard to do. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, the, uh, it, it's out there now. And like I said, it's 15 bucks a month, but again, so now you're starting to tack these things together. You're like, um, you're paying for Amazon, which is what? Seven bucks a month when you break it down hundred dollars a year. Yeah. I have a, I try Amazon specifically I have a hard time including because I would buy it anyway. Because like we, you're getting the vi- video is just a, a yeah. freebie added on top of what you're already getting it for. That's we're the same way. We, we get it yeah. for the shipping and right. how cool the, the shipping plan gives me a streaming service at the same time that's fantastic they give me music yeah. streaming they give me video streaming yeah like, it's real good like i actually started using amazon music two weeks ago and i'm you know, like i'm giving it a, a fair shake and I, i'm not against it like shit it's free so it's not bad and then um then the thing that i think goes under the radar sorry we don't need to talk about amazon anymore but uh, it's um, fine they give you if you have uh, uh the fire phone fire tablet oh, fire i got tablet, one of those yeah. uh, black friday so oh, I, nice. Yeah, they're real cheap. Like you can get a nice tablet for pretty cheap. I got it for thirty five bucks. Yeah, exactly. That's that's great. Um, that Sorry. and then I think no, it's fine. The the thing the service that I think goes um, underrepresented a lot for Amazon is their 
uh, photo service, like the photo storage. Mm-hmm. So if you have an Amazon Prime account, you have unlimited photo backup, not video, but photo. Right. And so I was talking to some people who do a lot of photography, and they're like, oh, yeah, I store all my raw photos. Like, yeah. it's unlimited. Like, Whoa, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Anyway. I think, I think there's a lot of things people don't think of with Amazon. They, they're like, oh, I have Prime, so I get two-day shipping. Yeah. And, and you start, you, like, I had completely ruled out Amazon Music. Mm-hmm. As as even a thing that I would consider, so I was right. like, I, it's not a service I use. I have all my music in iTunes. Yep. yep. And then uh, I did the iTunes Music thing, Apple Music thing. Yeah, yeah. And then that ended not so great, and I went back to Spotify. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I read a thing online the other day um, that was basically like, you know, if if you were dissatisfied with Apple Music. Give Amazon a shot, especially if you already have a Prime membership. Right. And I was like, you know, what? I'll I'll download their app, and I already have the uh, the Prime thing, so I'll just sign into my account. Signed in, the first three albums I searched for, all of them available on there. Yeah, I was like, well, awesome. damn, look at this! I already have all of it on there. So I've I've actually been trying to use it more often yeah. for that. We've watched uh, multiple episodes of Ancient Aliens on mm. Amazon Video. It's the best. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> uh-huh. So we're we're trying to use more of their stuff, but it's just like I don't like how um fractured and separated everything is right now. Yeah. Fragmented, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. Within it the Amazon like, ecosystem? Is that just, what you're no, within within all content. Oh, okay. Within just video, yeah. within yeah. within music, like you know, you have all this garbage with Kanye. And his new album, and you can only get it on title. And it's like, well, that's, that's another service that if I want to listen to this album, I have two options: I can either subscribe to title, or I can go Pirate. find. I can go find the right truck, and <laughs> dig through the back of it till it falls out. And <laughs> there it is. There, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, this ex- the exclusivity issues continue to be interesting, but that's a, that's a whole other topic. So, I'm yeah, I'm partial to some of the gaming conversations around that topic, but yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, it's a, it's good. Like, there's all these services, and if you already have Amazon Prime, why not try some of them, right? If you're getting it anyway, well, and then at, if you at like least it, give them then, a shot. Yeah, yeah, shoot, you already have it, right? It's like the free games they give away with, you know, PlayStation and uh, Xbox every month. If you're a subscriber to their services, like, why not get them? So. Speaking of free games, um, if mm-hmm. if you have a, a Kindle, there mm-hmm. is a service or the Amazon Fire, I guess it's no longer called the Kindle Fire. Um, if you have the Amazon Fire, there is a service called Amazon Underground. I saw that, yeah. They give away books and TV shows and video games that are free video games with no in-app purchase. They're guaranteed free forever. That's right. Amazon is literally giving away all kinds of stuff. Please use our ecosystem. (laughs) Just just to give people in the ecosystem. So if if, if you find that you're using Amazon Video or Amazon uh, Music, look at the Kindle too because you get some free games out of it. Interesting. Sarah has a first generation Kindle, the first generation Kindle. Um, so I might, but if that, if that's not compatible, cause that's pretty old at this point, that's like yeah. four years old or five years old. It's old. Um, I, but the new ones, right? Like they're under it's, $50 on it, sale, it's, right? It, when you, when you get them on sale, they're, they're between 35 and 40 bucks. Even, even when they're not yeah. on sale, they're only 50 bucks. Okay. And yeah. it, it's oh, I'm thinking of the HD then. Yeah. yeah the, bigger the, the bigger one, the, uh, the, the base model one, 50 bucks. Um, yeah, it's not an iPad. But you can do a lot on it. I was I was tinkering with it the other day. I had a, a coworker who's been asking me about it, and yeah. uh, I have a microphone and an interface I can actually plug in. I can record into it. 
Oh yeah. Um, so if you were like a, a musician and you wanted just something easy, you could sit down and you know jam out mm-hmm. on your guitar and record a little thing or whatever. You could yeah. do that on that. Um, books. I, I really enjoy reading on it, like more so than I enjoy reading on my iPad. Yeah, uh, I think something it's the form about. I, I think part of it's the the size, part of it's the shape, part of it's. Yeah. The thickness, as weird as it is, it's a thick device, no. but it actually yeah, feels more like holding a book sure. than a big piece of glass. So I, there's some stuff about it. I watched all of season one of The Flash <laughs> on it. So I, I've used it for a lot of stuff. Yeah, shoot. So for 35 it's, bucks? That's a, yeah, it's, you've gotten your money out of it, it was, right? It was a steal, yeah. Yeah, so I will, I'm the, we can end the Kindle, the Kindle, Apple, or Amazon um, talk, but the last thing I'll add is I'm a huge fan of reading on Kindles, but I only like reading on the paper white. I have a tough time reading on a glossy screen, and so the the, the paper white, um, or just the regular Kindle, but uh, paper. Right. I have a paper white because it's backlit, so I can read at night when I sure. put my daughter to bed. But yeah, it's really good, really good service. Hmm. All right, so I have a question then. So, yeah. have you been playing any games on your Apple TV? Because I have, I have severe reservations about playing video games on a, a device which box. requires you to, to make the three input or whatever it is controller compatible like that's such a handicap for game devs yeah i have exactly one game on my apple tv oh take that back i have two now i, I downloaded a second oh, one last night a savant you are yeah right <laughs> i have alto's adventure which if you're not familiar you are a, a snowboarder going down a hill oh, trying that's the to, endless trying endless to collect, recollect your llamas that have escaped and collect <laughs> coins. Okay. And yeah, so fun. And not and you do like flips and you got to go faster. Yeah. And there's like grind rails and jumps and whatever. So you go down the hill. It, it's it's just an endless yep, downhill. That runner. category is endless runner. Yeah. Yeah. So it it has one interaction. You yep. press down on the remote and you let go. <laughs> when you press down, you jump and start to do a flip. When you mm-hmm. let go, you stop doing a flip. Oh uh, yeah. So it's cool. It, it's I like super the simplicity. Simple. Yeah. Super simple. And I've, I've played it on my iPhone and my iPad for mm-hmm. probably a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's been out for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So I, uh, I put it on the Apple TV and again, it's one of those things. If I need to kill five, 10, 15 minutes yeah. or like the other night, my wife was reading something on her iPad and I was like, do you want to start the next episode of, of the show? And she's like, not yet. And so I went and, played a round of Alta's Adventure. I like it. Um, and then I also installed, last night, I installed Oceanhorn, which is that's basically... That's Zelda game. That's, it's like Zelda, exactly. Yeah. Um, didn't even launch it, because I remember playing it on my iPad and yeah. thinking, I need a game controller for this. <laughs> and so I installed it on the Apple TV thinking, this is a game that... I, I, this is one of those games that could be kind of the model for how gaming on the Apple TV could work. Sure. And then immediately remembered, oh, yeah, I have to use this silly remote to do this. Oh. And so yeah, I couldn't even bring tough. myself to launch it. So then I'm like, well, maybe I'll go buy the remote. You know, it's 50 bucks for the Steel Series Nimbus that Apple kind of advertises as, like, the controller. Yeah, yeah they're preferred. I was like, I was like 50 bucks isn't bad. That's, that's a typical game controller. Yeah. But how great can it be if... If the game still had to have been dumbed down to this little swipey remote, yeah, 
so for me i'm like yeah i could i could see the potential of the apple tv as a game platform with games like ocean horn mm-hmm. um i mean there are some there are some games out there like monument valley that are monument not valley is really good that are not complicated from a control aspect but are very very well done games mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. there's a uh, lumino city i think that one i don't know uh and it's oh, luminosity. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I I think I think it's pronounced luminosity though, because it's like oh, uh, like yeah, when you look at it, it, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I have not played it, but it's another one that I've heard very very good things about. Yes. Yeah, another one of those where your your interactions are pretty simple. It's just like up, down, left, right. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have a lot of other interaction. Mm-hmm. So I could see that as that type of game, but you're not to the level of Xbox games. No, you not, can't, not even not, not even first gen Xbox games. Yeah, yeah. From from a complexity standpoint, you're back on the level of Nintendo and Sega. Oh yeah, input from, wise from, from yeah. an input from an input standpoint, yeah. right? The the graphics are actually quite good for a lot yeah. of these. So, so my thought, like my immediate thought on the Apple TV is that it's really limiting, forcing you to use that controller, right? By mm-hmm. forcing everybody to be compatible with that input device. It's ensuring everybody can use it, right? Because everybody right. has the input. Right. But it also is handicapping those games that would potentially be better with a gamepad. So then the questions become like, so do you play Oceanhorn? And then you, for those who buy a gamepad, I'm sure there's like a gamepad configuration, a control configuration, or I assume there is, which would make it better. Who knows? But I, I have to assume there's something like that because I'm sure that that game has a standard mapping, right? It can't be, it's not, it's, they're not reinventing the wheel. I, a, I, I think you really, what it comes down to is you have up, down, left, right. You have jump and you have swing your sword. Sure. And the difference between a tap and a long press is the difference between duck and when you tap, you jump. And Mm. on a a short press, you swing your sword. And on a long press, you like lunge with your sword or you wind up like like Link and Zelda. I mean, so even at that, so you have four directions and then two buttons. Yeah, two bimodal buttons. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I. But then the controller has, you know, the bumpers on the shoulders. It has mm. four buttons on the front. So it's like I'm getting, in theory, like four extra buttons on the yeah. on the actual controller. And, and, and the feeling of the controller obviously makes a huge difference. Sure. Holding that little stick is terrible if you're going to play a game for very long. Yeah. But... How, how do those other buttons factor in? Because, like you said, is there is there a separate mapping for it? Am I missing out on something when I use just the Siri remote? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's creating this weird. It's a weird experience, right? Because you're not maybe getting the intended experience. Who knows? Right. right? Like I, I so, feel like I feel like the game is handicapped by the absolutely both the experience for me and the game from the developer standpoint. Are handicapped yeah. because the experience for me is only as good as the controller I have, which isn't a great controller, and yeah. the game from the developer's aspect isn't necessarily what the game could be because he had to go to that lowest common denominator, which is the Siri remote. Yeah, so I I completely agree, and I think I think that if they opened it up to have like a controller game, right, you'd obviously have a lot more potential. Also. You'd have a ton more porting. Like the ecosystem for mobile games already exists, and I don't know what the differences are on the back end with Apple TV versus you know any other iOS device. But they're I like can't 90, assume that it's from what I understand they're like ninety five percent the same. 
Sure. Okay. So hopefully what that means, you know, from like me interpreting, that means that a developer would not have to do a lot of work to make their game work. Correct. And so, yeah, I, if you could open it up to have a controller, you know, a non, whatever, non uh, stick game, maybe the more people would be apt to bring their game over to the, uh, uh, the Apple TV, because there's a ton of good games that have limited input, right? Like we're seeing a renaissance in the indie game genre or their games with limited input are really, mm-hmm. really fun. So, um, I don't think it's a problem, like a shortage of titles. I think obviously there's something else going on. The other question I would have is the install base for Apple TV was small relative to other, um, like the rest of desktop streaming services or whatever you want to call like what like if you include if you're if you so if you're lumping in xbox playstation roku uh amazon i guess has their own thing and i would say that's also small but it seemed like when i looked at numbers and this was maybe over a year ago now but um xbox and playstation dominated the space and then roku was a substantive third and then you had uh apple was like you know had a small section so it could just be that because the install base isn't that High, you know, people don't want to take this time to put games on it as well. Sure. So, I I, I can see that. Although I think with this new Apple TV, I think there were a lot of people who didn't want the old Apple TV because they didn't feel like they could do, like you had no control over it. Like a Roku, yeah. I can go out and say these are the services I use and install those things onto it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Xbox and PlayStation are not a set top box in the sense that you're necessarily using them as your source of TV. They're a game console that also does these things. Yeah. Now, for some a people, lot of people, some yeah. people do buy them with the intent of consuming a lot of content on them. Yeah. But they are they're they're pulling double duty, so it makes sense yep. for those two to kind of be in the leader the lead of the yeah. pack. Yeah. Um, I also think the the price point for Roku made a huge difference for a yeah, lot of that I agree. because yep. you could get the uh, the little stick HDMI stick version for like fifty bucks or less, right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. the Apple they're... TV was a hundred until a year ago. And then they dropped it down to seventy bucks. Oh, the new one seventy? No, the the oh the old one, the old, old one. They dropped down to seventy, which at least put it at a competitive price point. The new one is one fifty or two hundred, depending on the storage capacity you want. Gotcha. Which actually gotcha. kind of goes back into the cloud discussion we had is that yep. it yep. nothing is guaranteed to stay on the device. It's going to purge things as it needs space, and then re-download them yep. from the cloud should you need access to them. Um, uh, so okay. that that conversation we had before. Um, but yeah, with the, uh, with the Apple TV, I, th- I think you're, when you looked at those numbers, I think a lot of people weren't buying it just because they were like, there isn't a place for this. I can't put games on it. I can't put apps on it. It doesn't yeah. serve any purpose for me other than being a Netflix machine basically, or yeah. a Hulu machine. And now yeah. with the new one, it's starting to kind of chip away at that with developers making apps, but you still don't have any real like blockbuster title that I know of. It's like this is the reason that the that you have to have the Apple TV. You know, yeah. um, I, I assume you've heard of Firewatch now. It's no, a, Firewatch. Oh, I'm so happy about a, Firewatch. I haven't, you haven't yeah. played it yet, but you've heard of it. I listened to the – so those guys have a podcast. The guys from Campo Santo, they make the game. Okay. They made the game. They have a podcast called Idle Thumbs, and it's my favorite video game podcast. Okay. It's really good. So – so you're aware of of the concept I'm of it intimately aware with firewatch yeah because they, they speak and about it, it, it I, I, not assume all the time. I assume you'll play on steam i will i will yep. um, i actually bought it already and have it on a different account but i will play it and i've played gone home which is it's spiritually is related very closely because okay. a lot of those guys also helped out on that that's okay. steve gainer's game so 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 the idea my my thinking here is where is the firewatch which is kind of like the overly hyped game not overly hyped, but like 
it had a lot of hype, but it's not like your triple um, A, you know, big corporate title. Where yep. is that for the Apple TV? Yep. Then exactly. it doesn't have to be Firewatch necessarily, but where is that type of game? Because because it it's an indie studio that put out this game yep. that is a huge deal, and everybody seems to really like it. And and from yep. my understanding, it's not a long game. I, there are people who who, who beat the game in three four hours, yeah. yeah. And so it's it's simple enough that you can play in a couple bursts and and play it. Yep. But it's beautiful enough and fun enough that that it it, it pulls you in. So that's that's where I feel like someone needs to come out with Firewatch or something like it. Yeah. Um. It, you need the at least the in, braid in or... feeling for the Apple TV that, that yeah. pulls people in and really says, this is, this is how gaming on the Apple TV could be done. Yep. So, so the exact, you know, parallel to that is that Amazon has a first party game called like Sev zero or something. And it's a first person shooter tower defense hybrid. That is game the is thing really on, polished. Is this the thing that just came out on their new platform, their new gaming um, platform? I don't know if, it, yeah, I don't know if it just came out, but it's the one they show all the demos of. It's a first okay. person sci-fi shooter, but it's a tower defense game. Anyway, they, I only saw it when they demoed the, fire when they were showing the commercials and that things for the uh, uh fire tv it was mm-hmm. the game they were you know showing off as their first party title because they have an in-house game you know gaming dev team or gaming development team actually multiple i think but um anyway so they have like that's their little you know that's their centerpiece that's their halo game um right not, no pun intended right like that's their that's their top game that they want to say look at what we can do right and um so that's interesting Apple doesn't have that clearly, like, but they could get it. Like, why not have somebody, why not commission a, like a popular, like why not commission Campo Santo to make the next, fi- their next version of Firewatch on Apple TV? Right. So it's a great question. Here, and just for reference, I looked at, I'm looking at the numbers. This was uh, quarter three, 2015. Um, for set top boxes, they're calling them global digital media streaming devices. 9 million sold, 20% of that Apple. Uh, Chromecast was 35. Apple was number two, though, with 20%. And then Fire TV at 16, Roku at 16, others at 13. Okay. So so definitely not far, not as far behind anymore. And not right. behind Roku, obviously. Like, Chromecast is number one. So, interesting. Slightly old data. Quarter three, That's 2015. Fine. Just uh, adding a couple notes to remember to add things to the show notes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so people can so people can find these things that we're talking about. I'm talking about Firewatch and Sev Zero. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't. To me, it it seems like Apple needs needs something. There needs to be some feature or some reason to buy the Apple TV, other than hey, AirPlay. Because like AirPlay yeah. is great. I love being able to AirPlay from my phone or my iPad, but it yep. is not a feature that's so critical to me that if I couldn't do it. Or that if there were another device had some better feature, that I yeah. would feel like I was missing out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Now, the, another big thing about the Apple TV that, that does make a difference to me is we buy a lot of movies on iTunes. Okay. Yep. A lot of movies on iTunes. Um, and I can only you can only play movies on a TV from iTunes through an Apple TV. So mm-hmm. uh, that does make a, a difference. Yep. But... Yep. It, it to me it still needs to be more. So I, 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 full way to circle back to the original thing. I do really enjoy the new Apple TV, yep. but I think that if Apple wants to position themselves as a dominant player, either in the living room or in gaming or in 
any of this kind of living room experience, mm-hmm. there's something they're missing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think my my closing thought on that is I think there's a big perception challenge for non dedicated gaming device hardware to be a to be dominant in a gaming space. And so PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo have that cachet at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's hard to it, it's hard for you know Apple TV and Amazon to break into that because they're still seen as a Roku clones or not or whatever, right? I mean, maybe right. not a Roku clone, but you know, just a streaming device, not a gaming device, right? And that's it, a really hard perception to it, break. It's just a Netflix machine. Right. Yeah, it's a Netflix box. Yeah, exactly. Ah, <sighs> so the last topic that I wanted to talk about with you. Which is the one that I actually wanted. I was like, this is a topic that would be great for Chase. And now we're an hour into this. Uh, and, and just now getting to it. Um, on Or just after Apple's earnings call for, uh, what is it, Q1 2016. Their mm-hmm. holiday quarter or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Gene Munster, who is kind of known for making these wacky predictions about what Apple's going to do and then just like hammering on it until <laughs> it it can't be beaten up anymore. And then he gives up. So he was the one who was like, Oh, Apple's going to release a television set, like a physical TV box, oh, not, yeah, not the little sure. plug in thing that the Apple TV became, but a, right. a physical television. And he just kept bringing sure. it up, kept bringing it up, kept bringing it up. Um, he says now that, the next thing that he thinks Apple is working on uh, or expects Apple to be working on is something virtual reality based and says that he thinks that there will be some type of virtual virtual reality experience out of Apple in the next two years. I'll be real surprised if they have a first party piece of hardware. <laughs> that does be- so what I, what I want to know from you not is not so much is Apple going to do it? Is Apple not going to do it? Yeah. Who knows? Be- because it, it, it's just like the car. Like yeah. Apple might be working on a car. They might not be working on the car. They they might be They making... might be working on the car with no intent to make it, right? Like right. who knows? They they might be working on a Mac with a touch screen. That doesn't mean we're ever gonna see it. Like Yeah, exactly. They, they oh, I guarantee there's a Mac of... with a touch screen somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> I, God, yeah. I can't wait for that. I'm tired of rubbing my finger on my MacBook screen. Um <laughs> You don't know how often you don't know how often that happens. I I switch from my iPad to my Mac, and I'm like, ah, gotta use the gotta use yeah. the mouse again. Um, <laughs> I want to know why Apple would make for a VR thing. What what consumer level exp- reason or experience is there with VR that would drive Apple to do this? Because I'm I'm looking at what um like what Samsung's doing with their thing and some of the Google stuff. Yeah. And I can't figure out why anyone would, especially if it's a separate device, not just an iPhone and like a little cardboard right. housing. Why? Yep. What is the, what's the drive for it? What's the, what's the practical application of it? Yeah. I mean, for Apple, it would have to be like to get in the game. It would have to be because it's one of these like, this is if they do it, which I, I'm of the mind that they won't. And if they do do it, they will do either a partnership or they'll do some type of hybrid. So they'll either do a uh, Google Glass or not Google Glass. Sorry, they'll do either a Google Cardboard project, right, where you can mm-hmm. do something similar because you can already like you do that already. 
um, on an iPhone. I mean, like there's, a cardboard there's, cardboard. The, there's a cardboard app yeah. for the iPhone. Okay, you can do it on cardboard. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so you can use yeah, – exactly. And you can use it um, – Viewmaster came yeah. out with their new Viewmaster, yeah. right? App, and you can use and, an iPhone with that. You can buy that from the Apple Store. Yeah, okay, perfect, right? Um, so – oh, you can buy it from the Apple Store? Yeah, so now uh, I'm even – Apple now Store I'm Online. inclined to think they're going to do one. Okay, a- yeah. Apple Store so Online, the fact yeah, 35 bucks or 45 bucks, you can buy this Viewmaster yeah. sleeve that your Piece iPhone drops into. Yep. Yeah, a piece of plastic with some ones is in it. Um, interesting. Okay, so yeah, so I'm I'm really not going to make any bets that they're going to do it now that they already have that. Um, but if they were to do it, it would be to play in the space because that means there's something that they're missing out on. And so one thing that Apple has that they could be missing out on on the VR side is that they have a huge market share in with smartphones. And if smartphones end up being a way that people want to experience VR. And Apple can capitalize it in a way more th- more so than being a third party like cardboard extension or whatever, right? Or like using cardboard on it. I would assume they'd find a way to capitalize on it. That would be a way that I would see them do it. Only because the hardware already exists, and it was ju- it would just be a software implementation that would get them tons of people to use it, right? Like if they launched sure. tomorrow, if they Apple launched Apple VR as an app, and go you can go to your store now and buy your Apple VR sleeve. Shoot, it'd sell. It'd be great. People sure. would like it. But I don't, you know, that's as far as it goes. As far as them making like a full first-party VR implementation, I highly doubt it. Like I just, I, it, yeah, they're not going to do it. I, I'm, str- I would be really impressed if they, I'd be impressed and surprised. Um, but I do think there's there could be a need. I don't think that's without merit. You know, if there was an Apple experience that they wanted to have as a first-party VR Apple experience, I think that could exist. I sure. think that's a real thing. The, uh, the thing that I've thought about is. What is is there anything right now? I don't and I don't think there is preventing anyone from making any app in the app store that's just an app that works that, with, that works with any of these things, whether it's cardboard or the ViewMaster yeah. or whatever. I mean, in theory, anybody could build an app that's going to work through those lenses. The iPhone yep. has all the sensors in it, so yep. what could Apple even like? That's, that's my thing. Is like, what could Apple even do that would go beyond? what you can already do in the app store. Right. And that's the question. And then how, how do you sell that as a consumer thing that people need? Like you look at the watch, it's not even realistically that, uh, high of a demand of product compared to the iPhone or Mac or, I mean, I mean, right now it's grouped in with the iPods and and it's, it's demand level. So, Mm -hmm. Why would why would you think that a, a VR and I'm assuming it's a headset? Yeah, it'd have to be a headset. Yeah. That, that that would do better. And the only thing I can figure is if Apple is going to do a VR type thing, that it's probably more of an AR augmented reality type thing. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I I find that to be even I find that to be even further fetched. Like I think that's harder. Um, I guess. If you could get your AR system to run really well on an iPhone, then you could maybe do it. But all the processing would have to be on the iPhone because right. the hardware exists. Yes. I'm going off this assumption that they need to use iPhones. They need to incorporate yes. the iPhone in some way. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm thinking just just like the watch is yeah. an extension of the phone and every, all, of, all of the major processing is typically done on – the phone yeah. now granted watch os yeah. 2 they can do the processing on the watch sure but any sure. anything that's doing any kind of high demand stuff the processing is on the phone, on the phone. and it's just relaying it back and forth over wi-fi or over yeah. bluetooth 
So if you had sure. a pair of glasses that didn't look like Google Glass because those were <laughs> just freaking ugly and it was kind of terrible to interact with, yeah. if you could have a pair of glasses like the ones you're wearing right now that sure. just put some information on the display of it. Yeah, it'd, it'd be like, awesome, right? That, but that I don't could think that, make that's sense. Not a, it, could, it would and it could. I don't know. I don't think that's an Apple thing. Like that's that's just where I'm at. I don't – I mean maybe maybe Apple's working on some – cool like frames you know that do overlay and that's right. and then if you want to get real nitpicky that's not augmented reality heads up displays are not yeah yeah exactly they're not technically ar ar is physically tied to an actual location um yeah i don't know although but, if it, sure it, i guess it could be tied into that too as you look around you're actually seeing things th- yeah the requirement is that it, you the glasses would have to see a physical item and then display information relative to that item that's the requirement for AR. Right. So, so like you could you look. Wanted... You could you could be downtown, and you could say, "I need places to eat breakfast," and look around, and it would show you little map markers for different yes. breakfast places. Yes. So, yep. so I, I get that, and so I'm saying like some yep. some combination of those two, where it's kind of a cross between yeah. a, a yeah, heads yeah. up display, and oh, I think the HUD makes more sense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the HUD makes more sense, and it definitely yeah. requires much less processing because really all sure. you're all you're doing now is powering. A transparent right. display, yeah, and you need a battery for it. But other than that, it's just receiving information from your phone and throwing it up in front of you. Uh, yeah, not, Google Glass was never really more than a heads-up display that they tried that's to tuck out of the side. I mean, a heads-up display and a camera. Yep, that's it. That's all and it was. All it is. Yeah. It was. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Was all right. Conceded. I never wore it. You did. Um, yeah. I, 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 told, okay. I, I told you. I eBayed that. Oh, I didn't know that you eBayed yeah, that. Excellent. I eBayed that thirteen hundred bucks. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I have no idea how much you paid, so we'll just go with good. <laughs> uh, closer to zero. And, okay. Excellent. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it worked out well for me. Uh, <laughs> so, um, as far as Apple in the VR space, I don't, I don't see something that makes sense. I, I would not be surprised by really like a killer first party experience. That would not surprise me. But so so something built into like would, the Maps app. Yeah, something where you could do yeah, like Google Street View, but it's through Apple's Maps and it's using a headset that you put on and as you look around you're exploring. Oh, man, wouldn't that have to be like the coolest F and map thing ever for me to want to get it? Like I mean, there's like I and I'm not I'm not trying to say that's never gonna happen, but like you get the idea that something like a fun novelty G Wiz factor is not the thing that drives sales because otherwise Anything that's novel would be great, including Google Glass. Right. Um, anyway, so I I don't know. We'll see. One thought I had was, what if, what if it's something that you can now have a genius appointment? Sure, like a Mayday button. You want the Amazon Mayday? Right. But you want it it's as like a... Mayday, but as a virtual experience. So it's like you're actually standing yeah. in a, a Apple sure, store yeah, or a big white room, store. and there's a person that yeah. walks up, and they're they're talking to you and walking you through whatever your problem is. But yeah, but wh- why? <laughs> that, yeah, really, why? Yeah. I guess that's yeah, and that 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 becomes my problem with with any of this VR stuff. As I think about it, as I'm like, well, I mean, yes, they could do this. They could do the map thing, but why would I care enough to spend money on the house to put my phone in to do it? Or they could because. do this this Mayday experience, but why wouldn't I just call them or go to the Apple Store? And I know I know not everybody has an Apple Store. Like yeah, three miles from their house, but yeah, 
I mean, you're, you're you've talking. Hit the, you've hit the nail. You hit the nail on the head, man. So why? Like, <laughs> and and so and this is my, this is my thinking on VR, not just in Apple, but in VR as a whole. Why? Like everybody exactly. seems like they're they're all hot for for virtual virtual reality right now, and they're like, oh, we got to make virtual reality this, and Oculus is doing this, and Samsung's doing this, and it's like, but for what? Like, yeah, at I, least at I least absolutely. Oculus is like we're a game thing, and like yeah, that's their angle. Exactly. It's like we're making virtual reality games, which I guess is neat. Ice, but yeah. I, okay, so there's there's a lot of things in there, but you, the main thing is exactly what you said. That is the problem with VR. That's what killed it in the 90s. That's the fear today. There's two. I have two fears for VR. One is the is the G is the novelty factor is going to die, and then sales are going to slump, and it's going to be blah, and the fad will die. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other concern I have for VR is is motion sickness, and so I've done motion sickness research, and I'm fearful that if people have a bad experience, that bad news will travel much more quickly than the good news. Right. So that's how bad um, news always travels. Exactly. That's exactly right. So um, those are my fears, but. Uh, VR has some use cases that are, that are pretty cool. Um, games can be one of them. That is an expensive hobby, right? Gaming is an expensive hobby. So um, I think that that is how you get traction. Like you find a niche. And so uh, Oculus has said that they're going to make, they're doing games. They're supporting video games. That makes sense. That's their niche. The same with the HTC Vive, which is Valve's partnership. So Valve is doing a, a okay. Like a pseudo first person, I don't. It's it's supported wholeheartedly by by Valve, but HTC is doing the hardware, so it's like that's Valve's headset. Sure. Um, so the HTC Vive is their entry. So you have these two gaming entries. The difference between those two is that Oculus is a gaming, uh, a, a seated gaming experience. Generally speaking, they have tracking with head tracking, but um, uh, the Vive is a positional VR experience because they want you to be in a room moving around. They're a move around the room, have this motion experience. <laughs> So I have lots of thoughts on those, but those are your two pillars of VR right now. You have PlayStation VR, which is not as big as the other two, but they have a huge install base because PlayStation already exists. So it's going right. to be a lesser experience, but the hardware is in place. So, so it's, it's just an extension of a, a PS4, basically. That's like exactly it somehow right. interacts exactly. with the so, PS4. Yeah, the PS2, the PS4 is your computer doing all the all the okay. computation, which means that you can't have as nice of picture. And so some people re- some people are holding out for the screen door effect. The screen door effect is when you can see the pixels and the headset. Um, so if you can see that door, right, you see these lines in the in the pixels, then that's going to kill your experience for people. I played with the DK1 enough, which is the original Oculus Rift running at 640 by 480 on two screens. That's crappy resolution. You can see the lines all day. I loved it. It was blurry, and I still thought it was amazing. Like that is all about that. In that case, that was the immersion fact outwinning over the fidelity fact. Sure. Um, so anyway, you have these pillars of gaming led by Oculus and Valve, and then you have you know PlayStation uh, VR, and that's also good. And so this is like how you work it into the market. But I think I think the thing that helps it stay, and this is, I mean, I don't know where it's going to go, but this is just my personal feeling on it. I think the thing that helps VR stay relevant is to make it a way to do social engagement with other people. And so this is why Facebook bought Oculus. This is why Oculus is going to re- receive all the first-party support from Facebook to integrate it with their services in the future, and they're going to have cool things. And so I absolutely believe, I don't know if I said this last time, but I absolutely believe that you're at some point for the Super Bowl or whatever your event is, there's going to be three rows of seats bought out or four rows of seats bought out by Facebook, 20 seats wide. So the, the you know, mid center field, mid seats are going to be blue tarps that say Facebook with cameras. And you're going to pay three camera or whatever to have a 360 view. And they're going to have like 20 whatever positions 
optional. Maybe they'll have however many, 60 seats available, like virtual seats available, and you can pick wherever you want to sit in there. That way, if you're sitting next to your friend, which they demoed the social interaction of the Oculus using the Samsung gear, it wasn't even doing the Oculus. It was the lighter weight version. They had an avatar face and two hands being tracked using the Samsung gear. And the people who used it said it was great. That was enough. So it was like you were sitting at the game. That's exactly it. Each other, even that, though you're hundreds of miles apart, or however, whatever it it's is. It's me, me, and you wanting to sit at the finish line in Austin at Circuit of the Americas to watch the Grand, the American Grand Prix, right? Like it's us wanting to go to the Super Bowl together. That is the thing that I think will help VR stick. The hardware is pricey right now, and it's and it's just good enough with with high end PCs to do it, and that's fine because the gaming community will they're going to fund it. They're going to kick it over the edge. It's the rest of the world will catch up when, when the hardware gets cheaper and you can buy a headset for 50 bucks, 100 bucks. That's let, that lets you and me go watch the game together. It's going to have a mic, headset, and we're going to have – it'll just track our hands. I bet it doesn't even have remotes or wristbands or anything. It's just going to have tracking. That's going to be the future. So how does a high five work? You're still just swinging into the air with a high five. Right? I know. That's a bummer, right? Haptic feedback still – yeah. It, uh, Unless you had a glove us. that like so, – <laughs> I've, I've played with those and they're like the weirdest they're the weirdest I, I can only imagine so, someday we're going to get like an exoskeleton that's going to push back for the high five but <laughs> no um, it's going to be non non-touch interaction to start off with but I think it's close the thing and so the example that I've used that will sell me for VR or AR depending on the scenario because they can work in both in this scenario in this example is when you and I want to play we're going to play Stratego we're going we're gonna to play Risk whatever right we're going to play some game a tabletop game and we have a shared virtual space, and you and I can interact with the space and interact with each other. That's what's going to sell me. We can all sit around the table together and play games from a remote location. And I think it will get there. So I think that's what will help VR stay if people if it if it has enough if it has the legs to get to that point. Okay, that's where it's going to go. Well, what do they say? The the two things that advance any technology are gaming and porn, right? So uh, if, that could be it. Yeah. If if one of those two is is what does VR. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I would hope it's. Yeah. I would hope it's gaming. <laughs> yeah, I hope it. Well, I'll tell you that the public face of it will be gaming. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, my, anyway, yeah, no. Yeah. My my final hope on it was was that maybe I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this this hardcore Henry. I, oh, it, is that the first person movie? I watched yes. it. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I was like, I could see. Maybe not in the near future, but like somewhere down the road, where you could actually like watch a movie, but it's it's in first person, and you you could Killing actually all like, my research ideas. You could like look around. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm. No, it's okay. I'm no, it's good okay. at your You're job. You're my thing that I'm never gonna make. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the idea that <laughs> <You're nuts. laughs> that I uh, that a movie could come out where it's it's all shot in like 360 camera or whatever, and yeah. so then you actually could then watch it back, and so every time you watch it, you could have in theory a different experience. As you move yeah. your head, because I have times in movies, well, maybe not so much movies, but video games that yeah. you get up to a th- like you get up to a wall and like you, you do the thing where you're leaning and yeah, I know that me leaning doesn't help me peek around the wall, but somewhere in my head, I'm like, well, that's the thing. So if, if I could be watching a movie and be like, I want to know what's around this wall and I could move my it head on the rift and, and it would work and I rift. could peek around it yeah, that that, that would make movies kind of interesting. I, I don't know what it's called off the top of my head, and I can try to find the link, but there is a camera being sold right now exclusively as a VR camera, and it's a ball that you record and use uh, remotely. That way there's no person in the frame, and you get true 360. 
So think of it as like a Segway with a 360 camera on top. Sure. I'll look and see if I can find the name of it. But that's exactly the point because uh, the way that those cameras are positioned, it gives you about a three-foot cube or three-foot in diameter sphere to play in from the center. So then you can do the I'm leaning left, I'm leaning right. There's a center viewpoint, but you have, you know, like a foot and a half of play on either side of you. Sure. Like that, that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And if anybody is a dev and wants to make this game experience, I have good ideas. They've already flushed out. So. <laughs> just, uh, just throwing my pitch out there. Just, real put quick. That, just putting that out there. Ian and I need a cut. So <laughs> I'm not asking for a lot, just enough to keep the lights on. That's, that's exactly, yeah. Yeah. There it is. Anyway, um, yes, I agree with you. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So, I, I, like I said, that was as I was trying to think through VR. I, I had started thinking about it. I, I went and s- I saw Deadpool this past weekend, and ah, they jealous. they had the trailer for Hardcore Henry at the beginning, and okay. and so I saw that. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, "This, this is where VR would make sense." Because if I could put yeah. on a headset and I could, because I was starting to feel like a little bit motion sick watching the trailer. Yeah, on, yeah, especially on a movie theater screen, and I was like, I feel sure. like if I was in control, I would feel less motion sick mm. than than having the camera feel like it's moving around. Because yeah. at least if I'm moving my head, like I'm expecting it yeah. to move. So yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. You just described the first part to my study I ran. <laughs> it's control of movement versus not control of movement. Yeah, and and, and when you're not in control, you feel more nauseous than when you're in control. It's- We'll say that the literature suggests that um, previous research suggests that if you're in control of your own movement, you are less prone, less susceptible to sickness, feelings of sickness. And then the way that you can, you know, anecdotally, and you can think about anybody you know, or if you yourself get car sick, uh, most pe- most times people get car sick as the passenger, not the driver. So you know, think about that paradigm. That's true. Interesting. Yep. So there's there's something with control of movement that helps us. Anyway. Yeah, so I ran a whole study on it, man. It's cool. Um, See, this is why I brought you. This is why I had you in for this episode. So I was like, this this whole VR and the experience of things. Yeah, you're. It's good times. You're my expert on this stuff. I'm. I'm real good at pretending about it. Let's let me whatever. Can say that. Can, anybody's an expert if they claim to be. There. Okay. Well, I'll be careful what I claim. <laughs> um, yeah. No, the the hardcore Henry thing as a as a medium to consume. Uh, that show VR could be cool, right? Could be really, really cool. Like yeah. I, I, I the, don't need to I will, watch like Wonder Years in VR, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I want to watch Wonder Years <laughs> at all. <laughs> okay, the, I will say the key differentiator though t- from um, just watching something in stereo. So that's VR, right? Mm-hmm. Watching something in stereo view versus experiencing it. Um, the key differentiator for me, and when we piloted this, we found it. I tr- so my condition for controlled movement. The you know the, my my friends and I. Um, we tried to record someone going through our navigation task through a maze that uh, a friend of mine that was his studies um, made in Unity. And so his name is Curtis. And Curtis recorded himself playing. And then I watched his playthrough. So imagine someone, you know, runs, does a, does a lap, like runs a lap on a, on a, you know, a track. Right. And then I watched from your viewpoint, the playback, that was disorienting because my head movements did not correspond to your head movements. I was trapped in your point of view. So we rewrote it as a you're in it in real time, not a recording, but you're on rails. So that way it's like you're sitting on it's a car sm- so or a cart driving around the lab. Exactly. So that way it's, you can just run right next to the person running. 
but you still could look around freely and your head movements were open. So hardcore Henry, but when you look left, you absolutely do not see the guy shooting at you, right, or whatever. That'd be the difference. Otherwise, you could look around and the screen would never change. So like a traditional movie, right, you look around and the screen, the viewpoint doesn't change. Right. Yeah, so that stereo viewing, when you have control of your viewpoint, which is why you need that 360 or you know wider degree camera, really cool. Right. Hmm. Oh, man, so exciting. Look at the times we're living in. Gosh, it's so weird. <laughs> and Apple's going to pioneer the whole thing. They're going to be the ones to make it happen. I'm so excited for Apple VR. I'm so excited for Apple VR. <laughs> Apple VR releases their exclusive, I don't know what I want to call for, it. First-person shooter that's only available on Apple VR because they forgot the Apple TV existed. They didn't make a game for that. <laughs> that's exactly right. Skip right past the Apple TV. The first, here, no, I, I totally got it, right? The first is one of the most popular... Uh, popular games they're showing around is job simulator it'll just be apple vr's steve Jobs simulator and then you also have <laughs> and then you could have its companion app tim cooking and you're in the and you're in the kitchen cooking food yeah, that's exactly right <laughs> i don't know that, oh, that that's my thing that's with, with vr is that because there's no physical interaction i think that i think yeah. that's what really loses me is that i can look around but i don't feel like like i can't cook something because i'm not going to look through this and cook and I can't like you can't like put food like put food in the oven and then watch someone make it for an hour while you just stand in the kitchen moving back and forth and then in an hour you pull it out of the oven it's like oh the thing that they made on the thing was done and I feel like I made it but I actually just made an insta meal sure. I mean yeah yeah here let me let me uh let me help we'll, we'll end this and I'll help you wrap up the feeling of how it could work okay so imagine you have a pair of glasses that um, or whatever, some device, but glasses are easy. That can either do the Google Glass HUD with mm-hmm. augmented reality on them. They can shoot light onto your retinas to give you an absolute HMD effect where it covers all 100% of your vision. So now you have a virtual reality, you know, full, you know, let's say full field of view, even better than what it is right now because it's like 110 sure. with the Rift. Um, okay, so those are that's option one and option two. And so now we have both of these things experiencing the same piece of hardware. Option one, which I'm going to use your cooking example, you're going to go to the dinner and you're going to make salsa. You're going to make homemade salsa. Now the recipe pops up on screen. It tells you what to grab and how much of it. And as you go through, it checks off because it's recognizing each item that you're pulling out and laying in front of you and shows sure. you step-by-step step how to make the salsa. Yeah, so there's like your – But you that's, could use it. that's all HUD stuff right now. That's all. Right. That would be all augmented reality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be it'd HUD primarily with some AR built in for the recognition. Yeah. Right. But that also yep. means there has to be a camera, which then that leads into the whole privacy thing and people getting freaked yeah, out about a well, camera it's... on the glasses. And then we're not going to get into the privacy thing because the privacy thing leads to the Apple FBI thing. And we're not going to talk about that. No, it's done. It's good. Yeah. So. No. Um, yeah, let's ignore those issues. And in pie in the sky, pie in the sky, you just have a sweet pair of glasses. There we go. Sweet pair of glasses that tells me I have a text message. That's Along exactly with my watch right. and my and iPad and my Mac and my iPhone. Which, which you which you can then dismiss on your watch to check on your phone and reply on your keyboard because you like that better. There it is. The, uh, the full suite, all while watching a movie on my iPad. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uninterrupted. As you're at the, during the Super Bowl, which you are also multitasking. Yeah. You're alt-tabbing to the Super Bowl live feed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So oh, good I, times. Th- th- yeah, yeah, there's that. This All is, right, this so, is uh, good stuff. Yeah. Let's uh 
I'm looking here. Close the books on VR for now. <laughs> let's let's. I want to hear what your. Sorry, do, I mean, do you have any other thoughts before I hop down no, here? Because I, no, have, this is I it. have one more thing I want to talk about before I go in my in my little item. But we can talk yeah. about yours first. Um, so something of the weeks this week. Um, I did an app or picked an app that's been out for a couple weeks now. Uh, well, the new version of the app has been out a couple weeks now, um, and it's day one, which is kind of a life journal. Um, it can be used in any number of ways. Now with the 2.0 version of day one, uh, you can have multiple journals. So I have multiple journals. One of them is kind of just a personal journal of things I thought today, things I felt today, things I experienced today, just mm. so that I can kind of try to declutter my mind. And and it's it's simple things like I had an idea for a movie where you put on this headset and you're the character and as you turn your head around. So I could put that in and be like, this is just an idea I had. Um, I have a separate journal for um, for an app. I, I was working on making an app, learning how to do Xcode and how, how to program and stuff like that mm -hmm. for, for iOS apps. And so I kind of tried to write down, like, here's an idea I have. Here's how I think I can do this. Um, here's... Uh, it's something simple like here's a link for a thing that I found that explained how to do this, so I used it yeah. as just a, a place to store that. Um, yeah. And then I have I have another journal in there that was it, it's related to like projects around the house. So as I work on things or I or we start talking about projects around the house, like we want to redo the the decking, we want to change out some stuff in the bathroom i start figuring out what all do we need in there what things are what how much do things cost so i'm just kind of using it as a yeah just instead of a it's notepad a that you're writing all this stuff down and uh you use yeah. the uh, the app for it um so why not what oh sorry go ahead go ahead no go ahead finish it, it's it's 4.99 which is kind of steep for it but it, it's to me it, it keeps it in its own thing so that this is just for this stuff and it, then it syncs across to uh, other iOS devices, and they have a Mac version also, but it's twenty bucks, so I haven't sprung for that yet. Hmm. Um, the question I was going to ask just why not Evernote or any other note taking like the base note taking app? I, I use OneNote, and it it's nothing. I, I, I started uh, using OneNote from Evernote a long time ago. Yeah, I don't know. I I've tried Evernote. I didn't like Evernote. Sure. Just the general experience of Evernote. Um, some of the features of day one and the way that it's kind of structured, yeah. I guess maybe to my brain, just make more sense. Um, True, that's fair. They also have, because because of the way it lays things out, it feels more like, I mean, it, it sounds cheesy, but it's kind of like Dear Diary. Like, here's a thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And no, then it, it has nice things like you can password protect a journal. Or touch ID protect a journal. You can, mm. um, you can add pictures. I mean, there's all kinds of other details that it automatically can pull in. Um, so the other day, I I went on like a four and a half mile run, which was my longest run, like in one consistent one solid run where sure. I haven't like stopped awesome. partway through. And so I yeah. added a journal thing just to my personal like here's stuff that happened and. Uh, it pulls in your step information. It pulls in the weather information. It pulls in location oh. information. So it pulls in a bunch of other things too. And then I took a picture of the treadmill that had my time and my distance and everything. And I just dropped that in. 
I didn't have to type a single word to be like, hot damn, I did this. I just <laughs> I just took a picture, posted it with as a journal entry, and there it was. And it was like, now and I go back and I want to go, what was that day? What was my time? So maybe I go on another four and a half mile run some other time. Now I can yeah. compare and say, how did I compare to that day? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay, so, so being able to pull in the metadata from other services is neat. I, that's a cool thing. Um, it, on on your note, just as you're, I mean, I won't go on a, long about it, but on your note of like taking journaling, right? Essentially, just the concept of journaling in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started journaling more for Aubrey again for my daughter, um, mm-hmm. and I have a, just, I just have a one note, you know, journal for her, and you can have different pages and blah blah blah. But the thing that's been cool, in the same way that this is, I'm sure you could do it on this app that you're talking about. But I, the thing I'd never even thought about, as opposed to just writing in a baby book type thing. Um, I've had like, I'll say something like, oh, today, cause I'm writing it to her. So I'm like, right. know, oh, today you were, you know, we went had a lot of fun. We went to the library and I still think it's hilarious that you say gun instead of good. And it, like, I hope you never stop saying gun and someday you're going to learn how to say good with a D and it's going to make me sad. Right. And then I thought, oh man, I should record her saying it. Oh man, I should just bring her over here. So I brought her over and said, insert video. And then I have the webcam. I'm like, and Aubrey's like waving to it. She's like, hi <laughs> to herself. And I said, Aubrey, is it a good day? It's a good day. And then that clip of her is there yep. embedded in the library, in the journal. So anyway, yeah. That, so what you're talking about makes total sense. Yeah. So this, this is kind of the same kind of thing. So you're using OneNote for it. I'm using uh, day one. Yeah. And like I said, and, yeah, but and like OneNote. Sorry, go on. It, it just, it just it, and I, I had actually used day one, the old version of it. Uh, okay. Just as my for my iOS app learning stuff, and okay. so I was kind of taking notes in that. And, and for me, it was just like here's a place I can just do a brain dump of what I learned today. Yeah. So That's cool. So then I just yeah. when I got the new version, I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna build on that, and kind of expand my journal a little bit and do, like it, it. do some yeah. other journals. So yeah, no, I I like that. I like that that, that it's your mental model. And so that's a nice fit for you, and it makes sense that you would use that service over another. Like where, um, you know, in my case, OneNote doesn't pull the metadata that I know of from other apps, so that would be, you know, a huge bonus to what you do. And that makes a ton of sense. Matching mental models is really important. You don't have to – it doesn't have to be everybody's favorite to be your favorite. Right. So okay. tell me about, uh, about your thing because oh I'm interested Lord. in this. Hey, have, you, have you heard of this? Yeah. Have you seen this? Okay, so Peach is a yeah. service that's been on an iPhone account. for – <laughs> okay, for a couple months. Did I add you? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's been like about a month, though. Maybe a month and a half. Okay. So I just installed it a couple days ago, and I just clicked on the show me who I know in my contacts that has it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. Like I assume – I don't know why you wouldn't have popped up unless I just like didn't do the right step. Anyway, so I don't – oh, yeah. No, no. I did add you. I'm still waiting for you to reply. I didn't get yeah, a thing, so but I'll check it. I'll look at it. Let the record let the record show. I'm a great friend. Um <laughs> don't see you I didn't see that you were checking your peach every minute of the day to see when I installed it so you could add how about um, that. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> and, and it, it, oh, oh gosh. Anyway, I'm I'm super I don't like I haven't used it hardly at all, but like I, I get it. I th- I feel like I get what it is. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's chatty Twitter. Like you're it's like you want to type in small things, so here's this little thought that I'm putting out into the world and it's associated with me. So now we have Twitter and a Twitter wall. But it also has all these magic words, right? So these keywords that invoke different, you know, system resources, you know, search a GIF, put in a color, draw, whatever. Like, that's all neat. I don't know where – I'm sure it fits somewhere. I don't know where it fits. I, I don't – I think I'm too old now. But, like, I, I don't know where Peach fits in my life relative to the other services I use. What I wonder is if they're trying to create a concept of – 
things that can be posted, hoping mm. that somebody else comes along and scoops them up to take that part of it. Because I think the social network aspect of Peach is horrible. Right. But some of the yes. things, you, some of those magic words, that idea of the magic words, I yep. could see, and, and, and Facebook's already doing that a little bit, where like you type, start typing watching, and it's like, oh, are mm-hmm. you watching the Oscars? Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, yes, I am yep. watching the Oscars. So it's, it's using those words <laughs> and pulling things in. So if I could now yep. type, and, and Twitter just introduced GIFs um, yes. as a, a thing that they're working on or is, is coming or is already yeah. here for some people or however that works, that now you can insert a GIF quickly. If, sure. If now you can, if some other service is like, well, we want this tech that you're using or whatever, this idea that you're using, they might yeah. just scoop them up. But more likely, because none of this is proprietary stuff, it's somebody else is just going to say, hey, this is a cool idea. Thanks. And then Peach yeah. just continues to sit there as uh, not being used. Yeah, I, I immediately wondered if they were going to, if that would sell. But then I had your thought of, I didn't know what about it would be proprietary. Maybe there is something. I don't know what it is, but. Um, yeah, I just don't know what it is. I, I don't see myself continuing to use it. I think it has like, there's a lot, I think we've all tried multiple of these, right? Like, oh, here's the new thing. So many accounts for things that I'd never look oh, at my, anymore. Oh my goodness. R R sorry. RIP Google plus. <laughs> um, yeah. Like there's so many things every day. I'm sorry. No, okay. I don't. <laughs> I'm really okay. <laughs> dodged a bullet there. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't know where it fits. So I, uh, I agree completely. I, I don't understand where it fits. Like I said, I I installed it. Like it seemed like it, it hit the tech <laughs> press up. like on that Friday or whatever, and I installed it. And by Monday, it was already like R.I.P. Peach. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, I I'm I guess they tried and it did a cool thing. And I I still go out occasionally. And I look at it and I'm like, is there anything new happening out here? But I don't have a single contact out there who's posted anything. I had a couple people who post. The only post they've had since then is. Uh, this account is no longer being checked. <laughs> oh yeah, and they're like basically. Okay. I, I'm I'm done with this. I'm I'm over Peach. I've moved on. Yeah, um, this is I I I'm staring at my this my Peach account, and there is a one of my friends being that one of my my Apple fan Andrew, um, Apple my friend who is an Apple fan. Uh, there it is, my Apple fan. I own him. That's the way this world works. He's my pocket. Um, Still won't agree with me uh, on everything. No, he, he and his fiance and um, some of uh, friends in that circle use it, and so I see them do updates. But I'll be interested to see how long they go with it. Um, you know, and there's a few of us that have installed. I think you and I are in a, the exact same boat. I'm like, well, I would like to be able to see what it is so I can at least be knowledgeable about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this is something I'm going to, you know, devote it, time it, to. It does not serve a place for me. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying it doesn't serve a place for anyone, but like you said, and you know, it's not right. doesn't fit for me right now. Yeah. Anyway, that was my thing because, and the reason it's relevant now is because it just came out for Android. So, okay. people who listen to this show, you know, would have had the opportunity to play with it, but it just came out on Android, so that's why I'm just getting it this week. And and we actually, um, maybe it was in the last show, the show before that, uh, I had I had made the joke in in the close of the episode to say and follow me on Peach. <laughs> and I had a couple, a couple people that I work with were like, what yeah. is that? I don't know yeah. what that even means. And and so after the show was over, we had finished recording. I had to explain it to Chris. And then I explained to the people at work. And I was like, here's what it is. And I was like, we recorded on the Tuesday after it came out. And the Wednesday when it actually, or, yeah, the Wednesday when I actually put the episode up, it was already like a ghost town on Peach. And I was like, you guys don't even understand. Like, 
by the time <laughs> I had recorded, by the time I had finished saying it, Peach was a ghost town. So, oh man, it's so anyway. Peach, don't know where it fits, but uh, maybe we'll 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 see. I'm not. I have an account, so I haven't. I won't delete my account. Promise you that. We'll leave it there for a while. <laughs> Doesn't mean I use the service. Are you uh, the same username there as you are on the Twitter? I, mm, no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I try to keep it consistent. My Facebook and all that stuff huh. is the same. Except for your uh, Xbox account, it's totally different. That is different. You're right. I, my gaming, so I, you're, perfect, you're perfectly you consistent. You want a topic of discussion? You want a topic of discussion? I feel like we've Where had a couple, you but you're not. <laughs> you know, clearly, clearly, we need to prioritize. But that's a whole topic of discussion. How to? Where to bring? Where do you desire anonymity on the internet? Where do you merge your personal identity? Like, how do you merge your personal identity? What services bridge that gap? Like, it's a huge question. So I essentially have two handles. I've got at CRMusil, which is all the same now, right? Like, I, I, I tell everybody, so it's not like it's a secret. But CRMusil is my – I use for most of my um, social services. And then my gaming handle, if it's a gaming site, I use my my uh, handle, which is Twist4, which is a, or Twist4M because Twist4 was not available. But, um, yeah. Anyway. I thought about changing it. The whole thing about social online identity and like where it's appropriate and where it fits. Yeah. It's a, it's a great I, topic of discussion. I have the issue of, I set up so many accounts early on that had one no. name. <laughs> well, actually I have even beyond that. I have probably more than, I probably have three or four different usernames that, that evolved with me. Yeah. And then and three of yours. They're not ev- the same. <laughs> eventually I settled in on, I try to make everything now Ian Fuchs Sure. Um, with the exception of my Xbox account, yeah, because I don't know why. Gamers have cool names, man. But I think I think because it kept suggesting things to me that weren't my name, <laughs> and I was like, "You don't want to be Brown Dog Forty Four? No. So I was like, "Well, I guess I'll be Ian Red Fox because, yeah, why not? But then yeah, every like pretty much everything else for me was Ian Fuchs. Mm-hmm. Unless it was established before I started using Ian Fuchs for everything. when Because there was a time when I was like, I want to not have my name be out there. And now yeah. I'm realizing that it doesn't matter what I do because you search Ian Fuchs Instagram, you're going to find both of my accounts that are out there. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, well, it doesn't matter what my username was because you're going to find me anyway. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, so yeah it's... Let's talk about that someday. Well, we'll have to talk about that. We'll revisit on another show. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Another, another show. <laughs> I like it more. <laughs> All right. Anything else for today? I feel like we've uh, we've, we've cracked two hours. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's still listening. You're a trooper, but yeah. Weighing we're in gonna have the, to work on our brevity. The the longest magnificent podcast ever. Uh, you can tell people to cut out early. You can, you can cut some of that stuff out. Yeah. There's probably <laughs> anytime I talk, three or four three or four words we can get rid of. We were Star Wars fans as kids. It's a fair, it's a fair statement. <laughs> How did Star Wars meet your expectations? Yeah, Star, Star Wars was a big hit for me. I, I, I think it did a lot of things well, but the main thing that I walked out of the theater thinking, that we only went one time, um, did think about going again, but I walked, out of, I walked out of the theater discussing with my wife that The Force Awakens is the most Star Wars Star Wars. And I mean that in the nicest way because... By the time that we've retrospectively looked back and seen four, five, and six, 
we saw what went wrong or what, you know, we like the fans collectively think of as going wrong with one, two and three, but there's redeeming, you know, I think there's some nice redeeming qualities in there. Um, seven was exactly what you want Star Wars to be. It was practical effects with, uh, with nice seamless CGI. It had a nice hero's journey and had wonky aliens, you know, <laughs> with smugglers, one liners, like it's cute comedy and fun action and everything wraps up. So, um, I thought that I thought that was really good. I felt like it followed the storyline of of Star Wars, which I, I guess it's a New Hope. I just called Star Wars, right? Yeah, it followed Star Wars really nicely, but had a ton of Empire influence in it. And then I think, like my prediction is that the next one's going to be more Empire structure with some Return of the Jedi, but not to the same degree. And then we're going to get into Nine, and Nine is going to be its own departure. So they're like, we know what Star Wars is, and we're using those things to make a good movie. The next one is it's slightly less familiar, but it's still going to be on track. And the nine is where hopefully we're bringing this, you know, this trilogy into a, a new space that makes it unique from the other two. But really good, really good overall. Good, glad to hear that you enjoyed that. That's <laughs> just singing some praise. It, it's it's fair though. I mean, it's. I remember going to the Charles Theater oh, man. with you and uh, a few of our friends when we were kids and seeing the prequels and like at the time I didn't realize how bummed out I was about the prequels because we were young. And so it was like, yeah. Oh yeah, this is great. It's star Wars. But then I yeah. look back on it and I'm like, wow, those were not star Wars movies. Man. And so now the force awakens is really kind of made up for that in, yeah, in a very good way. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, the one thing I will, as I've, as we're getting older and wiser, and maybe you'll, maybe I can get you to come around to this, but there's a nice thing called this, like, well, first of all, there's ring theory, right? So if you're like a Wagner fan and you know ring theory and you see how that influenced Tolkien, right? Because he literally uses a ring and he uses ring, like the ring cycle as his storytelling technique. There's a really nice, I think it's called StarWarsRingTheory.com or something. Um, but there's a really nice website where somebody actually outlines and goes frame by frame with the prequels into the, into the original trilogy. And this is amazing. I'll spend like 30 seconds talking about it. Movies one and four are mirrors of each other, but they're inverted. They're flipped mirrors if you look at one and six. Two and five are perfectly mirrored front to back and back to front. And then four, or excuse me, three and four are the inverted mirrors again, but three and six are the, like, you know, the same, the same mirrored paired. in the same way. They're paired, yeah, paired, not flipped. That's better. Um, which is amazing. And you can actually look at the timestamps and it's like very, there's like cool similarities where a Jedi, like if you look at one and six, if like, it's like the beginning of six and the beginning was it, I mean, not the beginning cause then it's not flipped correctly, but you can like look and see where, uh, Qui-Gon attempts to use a mind trick on the Gungans and it works, but he attempts to you, but, um, Luke attempts to use a mind trick on Jabba and it fails. So there's like a cool, like there's this cool symmetry and, um, you know, opposites that work in there. And like, even the, it's amazing stuff. Like even the shots from like the shot from space from a star destroyer is flipped at one point. If you do like the opposite movie, it's a shot from the planet looking up at star destroyers. So like, like really it's more than an accident. Like George Lucas did an amazingly intentional thing in helping those flip in mirror. So that's like a storytelling cool. It doesn't mean that the movies are great, but it's just a neat thing. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it's more of cool a, a cinematic thing than a, yeah. Yeah, than yeah. a story thing. Interesting. Yeah. Now, and yeah. then, does the Force Awakens play into that yet, or do we not know because we don't have all of them? So it's hard to I mean, see how they fit. 
I think I think if it did fit, it'd be pretty obvious. But I don't know. I I guess that I don't think that those that the Force Awakens played into this this individual's Star Wars ring theory at the moment. But sure. if you were to make any parallels, I think it'd be like what I said earlier. It follows the structure of four with all these yes. influences from five, right, or something. Yep. Anyway, that was a a big Star Wars uh, black hole we got sucked into. You know, if they crash into each other, they make noise. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's been proven. Yeah, it's been proven. Yeah, it's, it's been proven. <laughs> 